All right. Well, again, welcome to Victory Way Baptist Church. And uh, I, I want to thank all of you that came out for a drive-in church today. Well, we had a good time down there. And I'll be honest, I, 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 it's a, somebody said, Preacher, I think you preach harder down here outside. I don't know what it is, the outside air or, or maybe just the handheld microphone that uh, it, it just lends itself to, to, to getting fired up and preaching. Maybe it was just because it was so, I was so excited to see so many of your faces again and what an attendance, what a great turnout we had again for drive-in church. And, and I know not all of you could come. And, and so what I wanted to do this afternoon is, is, uh, basically re-preach the message. And I'm about preached out, but, uh, but I'll do my best to, uh, give you some energy in it, uh, because it's a message that, again, this morning that we preached, but I believe it's a message we need for today. It's a message, Lord, listen, for right from the scriptures, I believe uh, it's as applicable today as the day Habakkuk wrote it, and uh, and, uh, and I believe there's a lot of answers for us, uh, a lot of answers for maybe why what's going on in our world right now is going on, uh, then also how are we to react or how are we to respond uh, during times like this as Christians, as as believers, and, and I believe the answer is found here in the book of Habakkuk. So take your Bibles and turn there if you're not already. We'll be in Habakkuk again. Uh, I'll give you a moment to turn there. Just to give you an update for what we're going to plan to do. Lord willing, weather permitting and so forth, uh, uh, we had a... <laughs> Uh, had a good time down there at uh, uh, drive-in church. So one of the things we're planning to do is from now on, 10.30 services until until our governor says we can assemble back together here in the congregation. We're just going to have 10.30 services down under the pavilion. And so drive-in church every week. Uh, I got an FM radio transmitter, and we were on the radio, and uh, you could pick it up right in your car. We had speaker system, and, and so you could hear it if you didn't have a radio in your car or FM radio, and then... Then also we also could then sing and then praise the Lord together. And next Saturday or next Sunday, sorry, uh, really looking forward to uh, Larry Davis and friends. They're going to do a little mini concert, so we're going to have a good time, have a gospel singing. Then I'll preach right after that's done. That's again 10:30s on Sunday mornings, weather permitting, Lord willing. Uh, until the governor allows us to come back, we're just going to do drive-in church. Uh, uh, we had an informal, official business meeting, voted that in. Here's what it was. I said, honk your horns if you like this and you want to keep doing this on Sunday mornings. And, and all the horns honked and all the lights went on. So, so that's our plan on Sunday mornings. And then, then what I'll do a little later in the afternoon on, on Sunday, like right now, uh, I may push this back to 1.30 or 2 o'clock. We'll see how today works out. But just to give me a little more time in between. But uh, I'll, I'll come back and I'll preach on live stream like I'm getting ready to do. That'll, that'll help our church family that can't be here for drive-in church to, to still get to hear the teaching and preaching of the Word of God and still connect. And then uh, 6.30 again on Sunday night and Tuesday night will be normal. We'll just do live stream for those until we can meet again. And uh, sometimes I'll do those. I'll do a mixed bag. I'll do sometimes from my office, maybe sometimes from the pulpit here, maybe even sometimes from my house. So, uh, so, so they'll stay live stream. So 10:30 Sunday morning, I invite you come join us for drive-in church. And again, what a great time we had today. There's one other thought I had today. I'm going to tell you, uh, the horns were honking, and so the, the honks were amens, and the lights were hallelujahs when they went on and off, and that's what we did today. And and uh, y'all were pretty good at honking the horns. In fact, you were better at honking the horns than you were at saying amen in church. So, so I. I think when we get back in here and assemble together inside the church, I'm going to start loud air horns or something. Y'all, y'all like to honk them things. And since you won't yell amen for me all the time, we'll, we'll just loud horns of some type. Maybe we'll get some of those that are on the bikes where we squeeze that little thing. Oh, God, oh God. And uh, that'll be in place of amen or something. But anyway, glad, glad you're with us today. Again, give you time to get on here. Uh, Habakkuk chapter 
number one, really, we're going to preach now chapter three, but I'm going to give you an overview as we get started. All right. So let's get into the word of God this morning. You know, we're living in some, uh, some certainly interesting times and, uh, and, uh, you know, I don't have to explain to you. You see it on a 24 by seven news media. You see the pandemic going on. You see the, the economic woes hitting our country. Many have lost their jobs. Uh, uh, many are getting sick and I'm not sure it's as bad as the, as they made it out to be necessarily, but I'm really not to judge of that. Whatever, whether how bad it is or not bad it is, I, I can tell you this, we're, we're definitely living in interesting times. Times where, uh, I believe, uh, uh, it's a time for us to reflect a little bit about how did we get here? How did we get to this place? And, and time that we're living in right now is not a lot unlike, uh, the nation of Judah was in the book of Habakkuk that we're going to study together. And so as you're looking there, let me give you a little bit of overview to get started. This morning in the book, so you know what's been going on. This this book was written again. The nation of Judah, Habakkuk was a prophet, and and he saw how the nation had uh, had. had digressed from the serving the Lord the way they should have and he he knew that the Lord was going to bring some kind of judgment on them and he was he was uh, uh, ready for that I believe the book was written as a song to be sung and in fact if you look in Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 19 the very last verse of the book it it says this to the chief singer I'm sorry to the chief singer of my stringed instruments and so so I believe it was a song that, that was written to be a song and he instructed his uh, uh, his, his musicians to put music to it so they could sing. He said, why would they make it a song? Well, the idea of a song was, listen, uh, it's real easy to remember. You can get it fixed in your mind, if you would, the songs. I don't know about you. I asked their church this morning. I said, listen, how many of you can go down the road and hear a song you haven't heard in 20 years? And, and all of a sudden, I mean, you haven't heard this thing forever. It comes on the radio and you can sing every single word to it. That's the power of songs and music. And how it helps us remember the words and the message. And so, so many times the Bible readers would do that. The Bible writers would write in a format that they would be songs to be sung. And so that would help us to remember, uh, the message and so forth in it. And, and by the way, let me just throw this out here. I, I picked on our crowd this morning. Don't ever tell me you can't memorize scripture, but you can remember a song from 20 years ago that you haven't heard in every single word of it. It's a little bit more about our want to, I think, sometimes, but let's go on. So Habakkuk was a, he was the a prophet to the, to the nation of Judah. And, and what we have in this book is a recorded conversation basically between God's prophet and God himself. Isn't that pretty cool? We get to read and, and look at a conversation between God's prophet and God. And that's really what's in this book, this recorded conversation that happens. It was a time in Judah, much like our, the time we're living in. It was a time, listen, where things are falling apart uh, economically where things were falling apart spiritually for sure, where there was chaos all around and everybody had turned away from God. Does that sound familiar? Uh, that sounds like a, right out of our newspapers today. And God's about to judge the nation of Judah uh, for what's going on. So Habakkuk writes to him in chapter number one, or, or I'm sorry, talks to God in chapter number one, but records it for us in his word. And and he basically, just to summarize, because the heart of the message is a little later, but uh, to summarize, he's asking God, why, all the, why is all this going on? <laughs> Things were so disturbing to the, that godly prophet Habakkuk that, 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 listen, that he was, he was praying, literally asking God, what, what's going on, God? Lord, I, I see what all's happening here. I see how we've fallen away from you. I see the, uh, I see the collapse of our nation. I see everything that's happening. Lord, uh, why is all this happening? And then really, I think the question he was asking is too, what are you going to do about it, God? 
What are you going to do about it, God? Sounds a lot like us as Christians today, doesn't it? God, God, what's going on? God, what's happening to our country? God, what, what's going on today? And uh, do you see what's going on in our country? And what are you going to do? God, are you going to do something about it? And, and so, so you get to verse 5 of chapter 1, and, and, and this is God's response. So verses 1 through 4 is, God, is Habakkuk, the prophet, talking to God. Then God responds in, in verse number 5. And God says, God basically says, yeah, I see what's going on. And, and I didn't tell you what I was going to do because two reasons. Number one, you wouldn't have believed it in the first place. And, and he, he understood that. And, and number two, it was, you wouldn't have listened in the first place. Does that sound like us Christians? So many times God's trying to get our attention and we just won't listen. We just won't pay attention. We won't see, uh, we had no racing term that, uh, that I, we used to use in racing. We can't see past the end of the nose of our car. There's a lot of accidents I've seen people get in on the racetrack because they don't look any further than the nose of the race car. They don't look ahead to what's coming ahead and, and so forth. And, and so many times we live our lives like that. God's trying to wake us up. God's trying to give us some, some warning signs. And, and, but we're, we're so busy we can't see past the nose of our car. And, and that's where, that's really what's going on here. That's what God's response is. And so God tells him what he's really going to do. Here's what he's going to do. He's getting ready to use the Chaldeans. The Chaldeans, the evil, wicked Chaldeans, the 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 the, the non pagan God worshiping Chaldeans, and he's going to use them to bring into judgment his own people. Huh. Maybe we could summer to get his own people's attention, or maybe we could summarize it this way: God's about to use something bad to get the attention of his people. Friends, I don't know about you, but it seems like the day and age we're living in that right now. Did you catch that? God's going to use something bad to get the attention, get back the attention of His people. And so that is basically the, the Lord's response. So Habakkuk asks, what's going on? Lord, you see what all is happening in verses 1 through 4. Then you get into verses 5 through 11, and God replies, I'm going to use the Chaldeans. And, and, uh, and so... You get to verse 12 and, and basically here's Habakkuk and he's saying this. He said, uh, he said, uh, uh, Lord, why, why are you going to do that? In fact, read it with me. Habakkuk chapter 1 and verse 12. The Bible says there, art thou not from everlasting, O Lord my God, mine holy one? We shall not die, O Lord. Thou hast ordained them for judgment. <laughs> You, you, Lord, the Chaldeans, they're the evil, wicked ones. They're the ones that should be judged. Why are you judging us? Why are you judging the godly? It should be them. And you're using them? And, O oh, mighty God, thou hast established them for correction. They're the ones that should be judged, and you're using them for correction. Verse 13, Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil. Canest not look uh, on iniquity? Wherefore lookest thou upon them that deal treacherously? And holdest thy tongue when the, the wicked devoureth the man that is more righteous than he. You say, what's he saying? Here's what I believe he's saying. He said, Lord, aren't we the ones? Aren't we the ones that are, uh, we're not the ones that are supposed to die. We're the ones that, we're not the ones that, Lord, Lord, they're the wicked ones. We're the righteous ones. Lord, we're your people. The Chaldeans, are the, they're the ones that are supposed to die. We're, we're more righteous than they are, Lord. Why don't, why don't you punish them? Why, why you, why is this all coming to us? Why are you overlooking them and punishing us? And why are you using them to punish us? And it's kind of what he's saying. And why would you use the wicked to punish the righteous? Now let me just interject something here real quick. Uh, can I tell you this one? Uh, anytime we start to judge others, uh, judge our righteousness based on others, judge how righteous and how good of a Christian, you know, 
we are based on when we look at other people. You know what we do. We do that all the time. We're heading down the wrong road. We're heading down a bad road. Listen, don't ever look at somebody else and think you're a great Christian or you're, you're super righteous because you think you're better than them. That's exactly what, what Habakkuk's guilty of here. He says, Lord, the Chaldeans are wicked and, and evil, and they certainly were. It was a bad thing. And he said, but, but Lord, we're more righteous than them. Why would you use them to, to, to bring judgment on us? It makes no sense, Lord, is kind of what he's saying. Listen, when we start comparing ourselves among ourselves and so forth, you know what Paul said in the book of Corinthians? He said, we're not wise. We're not wise. I heard one preacher that uh, gave an illustration of this this week as I was as I was studying this out that I read, and I thought it was pretty good. He said, "He said, you know, a captain of a ship doesn't set sail in the ocean and and set sail by set his marker, if you would, or, or determine his position by by pointing to another ship, because another ship is a moving target." The way a good captain does, uh, it, 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 that's a good way, by the way, to wreck and crash your ship and run into something. It, a good captain will always fix the, their, their course based on a, a fixed or a stationary object. You'd never want to uh, follow another ship, in a sense, and set your course off of that because they're moving. It's constantly changing. But if you set it, say, for something like a lighthouse or, or the North Pole or, or something like that, then that's a fixed object that doesn't move. And, and that's, that's exactly what, uh, what a good captain would do on a ship. And by the way, that's by, by comparison, that's what we as Christians had better be doing. Instead of setting our course and comparing ourselves among ourselves, and, and I'm more righteous than this one. Listen, here's what we got to do. we got to compare ourselves to the one who doesn't change, to the fixed object. And of course, I'm talking about Jesus Christ himself, the one that's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's who I'm talking about. Listen, watch out for the comparison game. It's going to hinge you in the crash. And, and now before we go, before we go on and, uh, and beat up Habakkuk too much here, he was, he was certainly guilty of that, but, but he got some things right too, because he had a correct view of God. Look again, verse 12. Look at some of the things he says. He says, Thou art from everlasting, O Lord, my God. He goes on and he later calls him the Holy One. In verse 13 he says, uh, uh, Thou art of pure eyes. Thou art a pure God. He's basically saying, You're creator God. You're holy God. You're a pure God. You're a perfect God. You know what? He got all those things right. He got all those things right. God is our everlasting God, praise God. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is Lord, all caps, Jehovah God in your King James Bible. He's the great I Am. He's our relational God. He's my God. He's my God. He's your God if you've been saved by the grace of God. God is holy. In fact, that's a song we're going to sing for an eternity over in Revelation 4. Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, which He is and was and is and is to come. The Bible so Habakkuk, before we beat him up too much, he had a right view of who God was. He had a right conception about who God was. But let me tell you what he had, what he got wrong. Even though he had a right conception about God, he came to the wrong conclusion concerning how he thought God should work. We got to be very careful here. Listen, I, I preach week in, week out to a wonderful church family, Victory Way Baptist Church, and. And I've, I've preached many times on, listen, the number one problem in most of our lives is we have a wrong view of God. So we preach hard on having a right view of God. And, and I believe most of our folks have a, have a good conception about who God is. But 
we can be just as guilty as Habakkuk at coming to the wrong conclusion about how we think God should work or what he should do. So that's what basically, uh, basically what Habakkuk's saying here in verses 12 and 13. He, he says, you're pure God, you're wonderful God, you're Lord, you're Jehovah, you're my God, you're the Holy One, you have pure eyes, and, and Lord, you're all these wonderful things. But why would you use the Chaldeans to judge us? Why would you use something bad to judge your people, the righteous ones? Huh. Basically what he's saying is, Lord, you know, I'm going to put myself above your throne. Lord, I, I, Lord, if I was the Holy One, if I was the Everlasting One, if I was Jehovah God, yeah, I wouldn't do it that way. I wouldn't use them. And he's, he, he's basically placing himself in the position of God. And God, if I were you, I, I wouldn't do this very thing. Your, your eyes are, are too pure, Lord, to use a, a dirty tool like the Chaldeans. And he's basically saying, God, I, he's basically saying, God, I have higher standards than you do. Wow, what a prideful thing to say. What a prideful thing to say. He said, Preacher, why would you bring that out? Because I want you to understand we do this all the time too. I'm afraid many times we're guilty of this very thing. Hey, God, why would you allow a virus to come? God, why would you allow a pandemic like this? And, and God, why would you allow evil people to seemingly thrive? And why would you suppress your people? God, 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 how, how could you allow a virus that makes us sick, that shuts down our economy and our nation and, and causes people to be pure? Now, I might understand that you, you would allow it to the wicked non-believers, God, but, but this is affecting us, God, and, and, because the, they're not as righteous as us, but Lord, this is affecting us. I don't understand why you, why are you allowing it to happen to all of us? See, we're guilty sometimes. God, why would you allow a virus to keep your people from assembling together? Why would you allow a virus that shuts down church, God? God, why would you allow a virus that even causes Christians to get sick and even possibly die? God, I wouldn't have done it that way. Come on. We're just as guilty as Habakkuk is. See, we're just as guilty of thinking that same way about God. We might have a right conception of God, but sometimes we come to the wrong conclusion about how we think that God should work differently than we think. Can I remind you, His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than ours. And I can promise you this, I don't understand everything God's doing, but I believe firmly. Listen, you and me are under the chastisement right now of a holy God. I'm not saying God caused it, but I can tell you what, nothing happens He doesn't allow. And God wants desire, His desire here for the, the nation of Judah, this desire here, I believe, uh, for, for us as Americans, is to draw us back to Him. So we see Habakkuk, the prophet, replying back to God. We saw Habakkuk talking to God first. and well, God, what's going on here? What are you going to do? And then God replies, I'm going to use the Chaldeans and I'm going to bring judgment upon my people because you've gotten away from me. And then, then we see, see Habakkuk replying, Lord, you're holy and you're perfect and just, but I wouldn't do it that way. I wouldn't use uh, something bad to, to draw your people back to you. Lord, that doesn't make sense. Uh, I would do it differently. And, and, and remember, God's God. Habakkuk's not God. And sometimes we're guilty of getting in that same thing. Now we get to chapter 2. Guess what happens? Now God responds back to Habakkuk. 
In fact, he goes on to tell him exactly what he's going to do. And he lets him know, listen, sin will be judged. And, and he tells him, write, write this down, write down this prophecy. And he pronounces really five woes, if you would, against the nation. Just look at them quickly with me. In verse number six, he, he says, woe unto him that increaseth that which was not his. And so he basically saying there, woe unto him that's greedy. Woe unto him that's never satisfied. Woe to him that's proud. Can I just tell you what? He's talking to the nation of Judah, but can I tell you this morning? That is America. That's where we live. We're a bunch of greedy, never satisfied, proud people. And he says, woe unto us. Verse 9, he says, woe unto him that coveteth, basically. Hello, America. We're a bunch of covetous folks, aren't we? I said we, by the way. Verse 12, woe unto him that buildeth a town with blood. Has murder for gains, what he's talking about. Can I tell you, we live in a country that practices the murderous shedding of innocent blood under the guise of, of women's rights. It's called abortion, it's murder, and it's wrong. And God will judge us for it. Woe unto them, he says. Woe unto them. The buildeth a town with blood. I wonder what God would think of our country and our murderous practice of abortion today. And I don't care what side of the spectrum you're in, this package that was put out, whether you're for it, against it, whatever, how wicked have we become as a society that they're trying to sneak in poison pills into a package meant to help the American people so they could fund more abortions. That's where we've gotten to as a society. Woe unto us as an America. This is just as applicable, can I tell you what, the day it was written then as it is today for us in America. Uh, this is where we're living. We're right where Judah was. Look at verse 15. Woe unto him also that, that basically giveth his neighbor alcohol. That's what he says there. I put a bottle to him. Later he talks about getting naked. <laughs> getting drunk and getting naked seem to go together in America. Uh, some of the dumbest things are done from folks who under the influence of alcohol. <laughs> Woe unto him, he says. They give his neighbor alcohol. Look at verse 19. Woe unto him that saith to the wood, Awake to the dumb stone, and it shall teach. He said, what's he talking about there? He's talking about idolatry. He's talking about woe unto them that worship anything more than you worship God Almighty. Hey, that could be anything. That could be nature itself. That could be the government. That could be politics. Can I tell you what? More Christians post on politics than they ever post on Jesus. How, how wicked's that? That could be your job. It could be sports. It could be all those things. Hello, America. Woe unto America. <laughs> By application, I think we could easily make is what he's saying for us today. <laughs> Sum it all up. Here's what he's saying. Woe unto the greedy. Woe unto the proud. Woe unto the never satisfied. Woe unto the covetous crowd. Woe unto the murderous and the ones that shed innerous blood and the abortionists. Woe unto the drunkards. Woe unto the idolaters. Can I, can, can I just tell you, we could have just taken this, put it in the newspaper in America today and said, said, here is the, here's the current events of today and we wouldn't have known the difference. History repeats itself. He's writing to the nation of Judah. Many, many years ago, but here we are, and it's us. And God's telling His prophet, He said, I'm going to use something bad to chasten my people so they'll see their need to really turn and change their ways and come back to me. Hello. Welcome to America 2020. Listen, chastisement is here. Trouble has come. Do you think God's trying to get our attention? 
Again, don't, 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 don't misquote me here. Hey, preacher, you're saying God caused all this. I didn't say that, but I can, but I can firmly say this. There isn't a thing in this world that happens that God doesn't allow. Because He's a sovereign God. You think God's maybe trying to get our attention back on Him just a little bit in the time and age that we're living in? I think so. Hey, that's where Habakkuk, that's where Judah was here in our text, and that's where I believe we're living right now. So what are we going to do about it? This is the heart of the message. In fact, this is the message coming up. That's the background. I hope you understood a little bit of the background there the best I could in just a little bit of time there. What's the answer? So what do we do as born-again Christians? What do we do as, as God's people when maybe God's chasing hand is upon us? What do we do when trouble comes? That's where we're living. So what should we do? Well, look with me because there's answers. Thank God there's always answers in the Word of God. Look at Habakkuk chapter 3 with me now. Look what Habakkuk replies. So God tells him again, got the conversation all the way through. Hey, verses 1 through 4, chapter 1, what are you doing? What are you doing? Habakkuk asks God, what are you doing? What are you going to do about all this? God says, I'm going to send judgment. I'm going to use something bad. I'm going to use the Chaldeans to bring judgment upon my people. Something bad to bring his people back to him. And then, then he says, he, again, he, Habakkuk responds, and God, uh, you're, why you're wonderful and holy and all that, Lord, Lord, I wouldn't do it that way. The Lord said, well, I'm going to because I'm God and you're not. My ways are higher than yours and my thoughts are higher than yours. Chapter 2, he gives him five pronouncements of woe, 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 woe unto you, this nation that's turned there. And now here is Habakkuk's response. So we're seeing the conversation back and forth between the Lord and him. Chapter 3, verse 1. Here's our response. A prayer of Habakkuk. The prophet. Look at verse 2. O Lord, I've heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. The midst of the years make known. In wrath, remember mercy. What's the answer? What are we to do when the tough times come? What are we to do when maybe the chastening hand of God is on us? Here's the answer. Here's what Obaka the prophet says. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. Can I tell you, number one thing you can do today is pray. He prays for two specific things. Look with me in our text. The Bible says in chapter 3 and verse 2, he prays this, O Lord, revive thy work. He prayed for revival. He prayed for revival. I believe there's two requirements required for revival. Number one is simply that. It's prayer. It's prayer. That's what he's doing in our text. That's what the prophet Abacus doing. But listen, number two would be repentance. Revival will never come to God's people, and it never has, by the way, until they get to a place of repentance. He said, what is repentance, preacher? Well, it's the thing you need to do to be saved. One of them, listen, I need to change my mind, and that's what the word repentance means. I need to change my mind and, and realize and believe that, uh, that I'm a sinner and realize and believe that Jesus Christ died for me, was buried and rose again from the dead for me to pay my sin debts. That's how I get saved. Repent ye, believe the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But listen, as Christians, we're also to repent. We need to change our mind and, and listen, that that's one of the things we need to do. We need to put God back in the forefront instead of everything else that we've made life about. And listen, true, genuine repentance is a change of mind that will eventually result in a change of attitude and eventually a change of action. They all go together, but it starts with that change of mind. How many of you remember Second Chronicles 7, verse 14? Most people know this verse. The Bible says, My people... 
which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. There's repentance. We already heard prayer. Then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. God says, if His people called by His name. Now, I understand that was written to the Jews, but listen, by application, I don't know about you, but when I got saved, born again by the grace of God, I got a new name, and one of them is, I'm a Christian. I took His name. I took Christ's name. I am a Christian. And and so, by application, I think we can apply it to ourselves. Listen, well, I call myself a child of God, because that's what the Bible said that I became. He gave me the power to become a son of God. And I call myself a Christian because I got saved by the grace of God. So, I call myself by his name. Now he says, for those that do that, listen, if we humble ourselves and praise, and pray, humility and prayer go hand in hand, by the way. You'll never pray until you humble yourself. You say, how how you get that, preacher? Because you'll never, listen, you'll never truly pray until you humble yourself. Because you'll, if you don't humble yourself, you'll never truly see that God can provide what you can't. Until you get to that place where I can't, but God can, that's a place of humility. You can't really even honestly pray. So he says, humble thyself in prayer. They go hand in hand. Um, then he says, seek my face and turn from my wicked ways. That's repentance. Hey, I'll never seek his face until I first turn from my wicked ways and turn unto him and seek his face. That's, that's repentance. And so, so two requirements here that for, for, for revival when he says, hey, pray, pray specifically for revival, revive thy work is, 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 is prayer and repentance. So what are we to do during the days when I believe we're under the chastisement of God when, when tough times come and trials come? Number one, we're to pray. We're to pray for revival. That means prayer and repentance. But also look at this, verse 2 again. We're to pray for mercy. Pray for mercy. Pray for His mercy. He says this in verse 2 at the end of the verse. In wrath, remember mercy. Bacchus saying, listen, I know we deserve this. We brought it on ourselves with our sinful lifestyles, with with our idolatry, with our greed, with our covetousness, with the murdering of the babies and the shedding of innocent blood, with our drunkenness, with our lack of of contentment. Lord, I I know we brought it on ourselves, but Lord, I'm, I'm praying right now. I'm asking you, Lord, listen, listen, in your wrath that we certainly deserve, Lord, please remember mercy. Remember mercy. You know what mercy is? Mercy is when we don't get what we do deserve when we don't get what we do deserve and that's what a bucket prays for what can we do as christians as god's people when these tough times come like we're living in when even god's chastening hand comes i think the number one thing we need to do according to the the prophet of buckets let's pray hey let's pray for revival listen many of you i know have prayed but let me challenge you this have you prayed for revival have you prayed just for whatever you're needing in your life or and you should pray for those things i'm not minimizing that but but have you have you looked outside of beyond your own nose of your own race car have you looked beyond your own life a little bit have you looked beyond even your own job even beyond your beyond your own economic situation above your even beyond your own health situation have you looked out further than yourself and said god you're bigger than me you're bigger than everything that's going on in my life what are you trying to do god you're trying to draw your people back unto you. Lord, let me just quit praying only for my needs, although keep doing that. Let me start praying for true, honest revival. Pray. 
for revival. He says, O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. Pray for revival. Pray for its mercy. In wrath, Lord. Lord, remember mercy. So we're to pray. Let me give you a second thing. We're to practice. What are we to practice? Look back at chapter 2. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. The first time in the Word of God this is written. But he says, he says, Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him. But look at the end of the verse. But the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. By the way, that's quoted like three more times in the New Testament. The just shall live by faith. So what should we practice? We need to practice living by faith. That's what we're to do in times like these. Hey, we're to pray. We're to pray for revival. We're to pray that God will remember in His wrath, will remember mercy. But we're to practice. We're to practice, say, what we've been preaching all this time. We're to practice living by faith. It's times like these that our faith is really tested. James promised in James chapter 1 verse 2, he said, My brother, count it all joy when, when you fall into diverse temptations. Not if, but when you fall into diverse temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. He didn't say it's if it comes, he said it's going to come, and when it does, count it all a joy, knowing that God's got a purpose for it. I'll tell you, listen, a faith that cannot be tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. It's times like now that we're living in that we're going to find out, hey, how many people are out there that just had a professing faith versus how many had a practicing faith and a possessing faith. And so we need to practice. Here's what, here's the answer. It's, it's not just pray and pray for revival. We should do that and pray and re- that God will in wrath remember mercy. But we need to practice living by faith. We also need to practice casting out fear. The Bible says there's no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Listen, even in the midst of God's chastening, even in the midst of, of times, he, He'll promise He'd uphold us. Isaiah 41 verse 10, He says, fear, fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. and Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my, fellow, of my righteousness. Listen, those two steps go hand in hand. When, when, when we, we practice our faith, guess what's going to happen? By default, fear is automatically going to be cast out. Uh, perfect love casts out fear. Practice your faith. Hey, the answer is to practice. What are we to do when these times come? Number one, we need to pray. Pray for revival. Pray for in His wrath He'll remember mercy. Number two, we need to practice. We need to practice living by faith. We need to practice casting out fear. Number three, write this down. We're to praise. Word of praise. He said, praise, yep. Look with me, chapter 3, and at the end of the book. Verse 17. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17. Habakkuk comes really to the conclusion here that even during times where all this is going on, even times when all the calamities, and, and listen, times when, when all the, the chasing hand of God, it, it, listen, it is still time to praise Him. Even in the midst of it all. Read with me in verse 17. He says, although... Key word. The fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall not meet, or shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. 
He says, even though, although all this is going on, and although we might not even have food come later this year if the farmers don't get back to work and aren't able to have folks to pick the fields and, and all that, that and toss. Listen, although everything we know is life in life could be affected right now, even though all that's going on, even though we can't gather together, listen, even though this is all going on, although he says this, this all this bad stuff's happening. In verse 18, he says, yet. Although all the bad stuff, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Habakkuk saying, I, I'm not sure what's going on. I don't understand it all anyway. And, and but, but you know what I'm going to do? Even though I don't understand what all's happening, even though I don't know what tomorrow maybe holds, I'm going to praise God anyway. I'm going to praise him anyway. That's what he's telling us here. He said, Wait, listen, listen, when these times come in our life and, and that we're living in right now these days, it's not a time to whimper up and hot, get up in the, in fear in the corner. It's time to, hey, get out of the praise fest and praise God. Rejoice. He said, yet I will rejoice even with all that's going on, although yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. As I look at this text, let me close this way. I see three things. Three things right here in this text that Habakkuk praised God for, that you and I can praise God for today. Number one, simply this. Praise Him. Praise Him that He's a sovereign God that never changes. Praise Him He's a sovereign God that never changes. Circumstances change, hey, but we serve a God who never does. Malachi three ten I or three six I am the Lord and I change not. Jesus Christ the same yesterday the today and forever. James put it this way James one seventeen with whom is no variableness neither shadow of turning the word of God says hey it was true in Habakkuk's day it's still true today that God is sovereign and God is in control. Thank God for that. Now apply that. Listen. If you believe God's sovereign, you believe God, listen, is all powerful and He's in control, then, then really, what do we have to fear? Think about it. Apply it to today. It really doesn't matter how far the economy sinks. God's still in control. Say that. Hey, tell yourself that. Encourage yourself that. Listen, God's got a purpose and God's still in control. He does all things well. We understand these truths. He, that means including the situations we're living in right now. Doesn't matter how far our economy sinks, he's in control. Doesn't matter how long this virus lasts or how long it doesn't last, can I tell you? God is still in control. Now, I may not be able to rejoice in my situation at a given moment, but I can rejoice that I serve a God that's above my situation, a God that is sovereign. Listen, I'm not up here pretending I understand everything that God's doing and not doing. But I know this. We can rest in the truth that He does all things well. And He does all things ultimately for our good and for His glory. Hey, that's a sovereign God. And that's still true even in the times we're living in right now. It was still true in Habakkuk's time. That's why he said, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. And that's true right now in the time we're living in. No matter how things may appear, God is still in control. He still knows best. His ways are still higher than ours. His thoughts are still higher than ours. And He always does that which is right. 
That's something to praise him about. Can I tell you? We need to praise during times like this. Praise him that he's a sovereign God that never changes. Secondly, I wrote this down. Praise him for a salvation that will never cease. Praise him for a salvation that will never cease. Listen, circumstances may get bad. They may may get worse. It's just getting to our area, to be honest with you. But no matter what circumstances come, nothing can ever affect my salvation. Praise God for that. Listen, salvation doesn't depend on things going well. Salvation rests solely on the grace of an almighty God. Life is uncertain. It's ever-changing. Listen, we're one phone call, one test away from from maybe some bad news. But i tell you what, even though everything else in life changed, God doesn't change. He's eternal in His nature. And things may be bad here on this earth, but listen, this earth ain't our home anyway. Amen. I'm already seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Hey, and while these some preachers are writing books and, and many are buying them, reading, talking about living your best life now, my best life isn't right now. My best life's waiting on me in glory. Hey, listen to what Peter said. He said, I have an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away. Hey, reserved for you in heaven. Hey, things may get here. I may lose my health. I may lose my car. I may lose my house. I don't know. I may even possibly lose my life, but it really doesn't matter because be absent from the bodies, be present with the Lord. Nothing it can ever happen that will make me lose my salvation because my God gave it to me. Thank God when I believed in Him. He saved me. He sealed me. It secures forever. Jesus put it this way, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, uh, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Peter put it this way, we are kept by the f- power of God hey, uh, through faith unto salvation. The author of Hebrews, my, one of my favorite verses, I will never leave you. He promised God would never leave us nor forsake us. Hebrews 7.25 said, we're saved to the uttermost. Do you want to know what uttermost means? That means complete. That's about as saved as you can get. To completely, totally. Hey, I may lose it all here, but I'll tell you one thing I can never lose. The salvation that God's given to me. And I got something to praise him about even on the worst days. That's what Habakkuk's saying. And that's what I'm telling you even today living here in America. Hey, even in the midst of it, we need to praise him. We got a sovereign God that never changes. We need to praise him. We got a salvation that never ceases. And praise him that, thirdly, praise him for a strength that will never collapse. Look what it says in verse 19. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like hinds feet, and he will make the uh, me walk upon the high places. Huh. Strength really has the idea of our ability. Huh. Our strength, listen, my strength doesn't rely on me. My strength comes from the Lord. Psalmist said in Psalm 27, verse 1, The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And how about Isaiah, Isaiah 40, verse 31? Y'all know this well, but it says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles, and they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Philippians 4, 13 still says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And so, listen, when you're unable to stand, He'll enable you. When you can't go on, He'll help you. Hey, listen, when you're in the deep valley, look what He promises. He'll get us to the higher ground. Look with me in verse 19, and He will make my feet like hinds feet, and, and He'll make me walk upon the high places. That, that hinds feet, listen, speaks of uh, a walk that's, that's of grace and agility and swiftness. And you ever seen a deer run? And how, how a deer can just, just, just beautifully run and swift and so forth. He'll make even an old fat, flat-footed plotter like me. Hey, be able to run like a, like a, like a beautiful deer is what He's saying. And he 
mean, he's going to take us then to the high places. You know, the high places represents the mountaintops. It's where the, uh, that's where the, the animals go for safety from the dangers that are found below. And here's what he promises. Hey, the Lord God's my strength and he's going to, he's going to take me to the safety of the, the high places is what he's promising even in times like this. And so Habakkuk's telling us that God is enabling to rise above the circumstances of the day. And I'm here to tell you God will help you rise above the circumstances of the day. And we need to praise Him for that. We need to praise Him for that. Listen, if you're saved, you have every reason to praise Habakkuk the same way, or praise God the same way Habakkuk praised God. What do we do when trouble comes? The days of Judah we're reading about in Habakkuk. Man, what a parallel with the days we're living in America. God's using something bad, I believe, to draw us people back to Him. How do we respond? Three ways. Pray. Pray. Pray for revival. Pray that in wrath, God remembers mercy. Number two, practice. Practice living by faith. The just shall live by faith. Practice casting out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. Hey, if you're living by faith, fear is going to go away anyway. And thirdly, praise. Praise Him anyway. <laughs> praise Him that He's a sovereign God that doesn't change. Praise Him for a salvation that doesn't cease. And praise Him for a strength that, listen, will never, ever, ever collapse. Praise Him. Pray. That's how we survive the days we're living today. Father, I thank you for our time together. Lord, thank you for the powerful book you inspired to be written. Thank you for allowing us to see this conversation, Lord, between your prophet and yourself. And thank you, Lord, that this is in here because we can draw strength from, Lord, a very similar time, a nation going through something very similar to what we're going through today. A people, the people of God, going through something very similar to what the people of God are going through today. Lord, and thank you that the answer hasn't changed. You're still God who hears and answers prayer. May we be praying for revival, Lord. May we pray for mercy. Lord, may we practice living by faith. Lord, may we praise you. Praise you that you're a God that's in control. Lord, praise you for our salvation that will never cease. And praise you for the strength you'll enable us to get through. Thank you for the promise of the high ground, Lord, and the safety from the dangers below, even during times like this. We thank you that in Jesus' name. Let me close with this. If you're with us today, and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Can I encourage you? Listen the calamities, the things that are happening right now, this pandemic, that, that, that doesn't mean that God doesn't exist. Actually, it proves He exists. Because bad things wouldn't happen if it wasn't for the problem we all have. See, every one of us are born with a problem. We're all sinners. The Bible says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says there's no right, none righteous, no, not one. That's you and me on my best day. Uh, the Bible says all our righteousness are like a filthy rag compared to a holy God. On the best day, the best thing I ever did compared to a perfect and just holy God. It's like the nasty rag that they used to wipe the ooze of leprosy off with. Listen, that'll humble you. <laughs> That's who we are apart from Christ. 
But let me tell you about a God who still loved us, even in that state so much. that The Bible says, For God commendeth his love towards us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Hey, he left the, he left the glory of his place of heaven to come down to our place, this old sin-cursed mud ball we call earth, in order to take our place on Calvary's cross, to willingly die, and to be buried, and to raise again, so that so that sin could be dealt with. See, the Bible said the wages of sin, the payment due for sin, is death, an eternal separation from God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus, he left his place, came to our place to take our place on that cross so we don't have to go to that cross. Hey, he paid your sin debt for you. And then one day, hey, he's already ascended back to his place. One day we're going back to his place if you've trusted in him. You say, preacher, how do I, how do I get that uh, applied to my life? Well, let me tell you how what the Bible says. My Bible still says, Romans ten thirteen. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. My Bible still says in Romans 10 and verse number 9 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and, and believe in thine heart that God is raising from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Jesus himself said, Repent ye, change your mind, believe, put your full weight and trust. The gospel, the fact that Jesus died for you, was buried and rose again. Hey, you want to you want to be ensure you're on God's team. You want to be ensure that heaven's your home. You want to be most importantly ensured that your sins have been paid for and forgiven. Then here's what you do: by faith, you call upon the name of the Lord. By faith, you change your mind. That's repent. You put your full weight and trust. That's believe in the fact that Jesus died for you, was buried and rose again. That's the gospel message. You say, "How preacher? Call upon His name." It's not some magic word you say in a prayer. It's a belief in object, although confession of the mouth is necessary. But it's the belief in the heart that's behind it. Call upon him. Say, Lord, be merciful, me a sinner. Lord, I, I confess to you that I'm a sinner. And I believe that Jesus died for me and rose again for me and paid my sin debt. And by faith I receive your free gift of eternal life. Thank you for saving me, Lord Jesus. Hey, in your own words, from your heart. Call upon Him, and He'll save you. I promise you that today. Sure love to hear from you if you trust in Christ today. Church, can I encourage you? Save folks. Hey, this isn't time to fold up in a corner. It's time to pray. Pray for more than just your needs. Do pray for that, but pray for revival. Pray that God in wrath will remember mercy. Practice living by faith, casting out fear, and praising. Hey, we got enough to praise Him before ever. we got a salvation that never ceases. we got a, a God that is always sovereign, and we got a promise of strength, listen, that He'll give to us that will never collapse. God bless you. Have a great day.